That was just a lovely time of worship, wasn't it? Good time in God's presence. I'm going to I'm going to continue today teaching on um that's the main subject I've been teaching Galatians uh Galatians 3. Um but I just want to say a couple of other things just before I get to that some things that have been on my heart. Um and at, at some time, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably talk more about the vision because it's good to be to stirred up. And 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 I know everybody's here, and everyone's part of uh, connecting up and coming to this church, and people connect up online and come to the other meetings we're doing because because you're hungry, because you're connected up, you believe God has something for this nation, and um, and there's things that that we want to see God do across. The United Kingdom and also the world, but you know, I, I, I have a, I have a heart and passion for this nation, and yes, I want to see God move across the world. Of course, I do, but I don't want to see just see God move in the other places, but not here. Sometimes people get so excited about everything else that's happening everywhere else, but not as much happening, you know, maybe locally. But but I'm hungry to see God move. I'm hungry to see God do some things. And I believe he wants to do some things in this nation. Amen. I believe God wants to move and manifest. And I don't want to, I don't want to, if I start talking about certain things, I'll end up taking the whole teaching, just sharing things. Because, because many people know we're living at a crucial time in human history. We're living in a really crucial time. I, I don't believe we're that far, far from, from when God's going to wrap some things up. Um, and like I said, I don't want to talk too much about that because if I start to, I'll just take 20 minutes just to talk about that. But um, I do want to get to the, the bit of my subject. But I, I just wanted to share some things uh, before I talk about the, the, the redeemed from the curse uh, subject, particularly related to the word of God. Because it's been going on in my mind and in my heart a lot recently. Um, and, uh, you know, many Christians don't value teaching of the word like like God wants us to value it. And I'm not pointing specific fingers. I tried to make that as a very general statement. I know the people here are hungry. So I'm just saying there are Christians that don't value teaching of the word in the way that God wants us to value his word. Do you know that, do you know that there's a scripture where Jesus talks, I'll paraphrase this, Jesus talks about the fact that the let me let me paraphrase it this way: the things that are of low importance to man are very often of great importance to God, and the things that we despise and do not uh, 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 did I say that the same way around? Um, the things that are of importance to us are often not of of great value and importance to Him, not because He doesn't care about us, but the things that we think are the most important, He He often He often thinks that's not the most important. Do you remember when Jesus' disciples, when he sent them out, two by two, was it? And uh, said to them, you know, go, go and sit, heal, heal the sick, different things. Remember when they came back, they were so excited. And you know what they said to him? They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Do you remember that? Did Jesus go, whoa, that's amazing. You guys have just graduated to 
the highest level of spirituality ever because you cast a demon out. Did Jesus say that? Was Jesus highly impressed at what they were impressed with? You know what? He, I, I, the way I read that passage, I get the impression Jesus gives a very casual shrug of the shoulder. And he goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, it's like, woohoo, so what? <laughs> That's the way I went. Am I wrong to look at it like that? It's like he, he's not that impressed that they were able to cast demons out. Why? That's supposed to be standard ABC Christianity. We're not supposed to stand in awe of the person who can do some of these things. We're all supposed to be doing that. Jesus talks about these signs will follow the greatest and most spiritual amongst you. These signs will follow those who believe. So Jesus was not that impressed when they could cast a demon out. Now, this might shock some people, but God's not that impressed when you can prophesy. God's not that impressed when you pray for someone and they get healed. Because he's ex he expects all of us to be walking in that. He's not that impressed when power flows through you. He put the power there. <laughs> he wants it to flow through you. Do you know what really impresses God? Do you know what really, really stands out to him? Is when people can simply follow what he said. Follow his word. That stands out to God far more than all the big things we are impressed about. And there are a lot of Christians who get caught up in running after manifestations. They chase after manifestations. The Bible didn't say chase after manifestations. It said manifestations should be chasing you. These sounds will follow. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus encountered people who were running after and looking for manifestations, they said, show us, show us a sign. Let, let, let's see how impressive your ministry is. Show us a sign. Jesus, he looked at them and said, basically, no. He said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. What, what generation seeks a sign? And it, did that only apply in that period of time when Jesus said that, or does that always apply? An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. So what happens when that's what we, we're seeking primarily? Then we have to ask ourselves some things about the in context of that scripture. It's a bit of a shock. I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to elaborate too much on that. But actually, God wants to raise up people who can walk in his word. But you know what often happens, and this is sad. This, I, th I think this, this, this saddens the father, is that there are a lot of people that are running after all the manifestations these days. But the moment the word comes into their life, they reject it. They either won't be corrected by it, they won't receive it, or they couldn't really be bothered with it for whatever reason. It's not that important to them. They run after all kinds of other things. Is that the kind of Christianity that impresses God? 
It's not. It's not. You know, many people are crying out for a move of God, a revival, a manifestation of God, God move. But actually, they're crying out for it on their terms. Lord, do more prophecy, do more manifestations. That's what they class as a revival. And actually, I believe God is wanting to raise up a generation more so than ever who will walk in the, the truths of his word. Because actually, when his word is given the place that it's supposed to have, the manifestations will follow us. We are supposed to be walking in a higher place in God. You know that God's called us up to a higher place? The body of Christ, so many Christians are functioning on a far lower level. We're, we're, we're functioning on a much lower level of the, of the things of God, and we're being impressed with low-level stuff. There's a, there, there, there is a way to a higher place that he's called us to. Do you know what the way is? Anyone remember Isaiah 55, verse 8? For my ways, can anyone quote it for me? What, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts. In fact, let's go there for a minute. I just There's some things I just want to really... Stir us up on and get out about this. It's just been on my heart all week, and then we'll get on to if there's time. <laughs> Isaiah 55, verse 8. Such a familiar passage, but do you know that even the most familiar passages in the Bible you can still get more out of? If you'll open your heart to what the Spirit of God is saying. Is everyone there? Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Who's talking here? This is the Lord, yeah? Does he think the way we think? Well, actually, some of what I've just been saying a moment ago is part of him not thinking how we think. He's not. We think he's impressed because we cast a demon out. He doesn't think like that. You see things differently. Now, wouldn't 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 it be good for us to learn how he thinks and to to, to follow what he thinks is important? How many of you have ever had kids? And as a parent, you think to yourself, "My thoughts are not your thoughts." <laughs> for as <laughs> my ways are higher than your ways and your your kid your, the things that your kids very impressed with you you kind of oh yeah 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 that's great that's great but inside of you thinking it's not really actually that impressive yeah am i wrong because kids are impressed with the simplest of things sometimes and you kind of you you, you amuse them but then in reality you think it's not as impressive as they think it is that's what it's often like with us and god would he would he he's he's he knows what really matters and is of value yeah yeah <laughs> yes but does that mean everybody's automatically walking in the mind of Christ but that the same new testament talks about renewing your mind okay my my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways the way we do things is not always the way he would do things, yeah? 
This is why it's so important to be led by the Spirit. Because we want to find out, if he says do it a particular way, we want to do it his way. Amen? But now after saying this, notice what he says, verse, verse 9. For as the heavens are, what's the next word? Higher than the earth. So are my ways, here it comes back to his ways, my ways higher, you see he repeats higher again, than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The implication is there, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, yeah? Now I believe God's calling us higher. Well, here he talks about something higher. I believe God's calling the body of Christ to function in a higher place. Are we going to be able to function in a higher place when we are still following the thinking and the ways of the lower place? To come higher, we must come up to a higher way of thinking and doing our ways must come up higher to function in that higher place to what's what is in that place in that place is the realm of god and how he operates in that place his anointing flows his blessing flows of the authority flows the things of the kingdom of god flow but they work on that higher place. Do you think there's any way we can learn how to change our thoughts and our ways up to his higher ways? Where? How are we going to know? Notice what he talks about next. For as the rain comes down from heaven and the snow from uh, for, so as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be right after talking about higher ways and higher thoughts he talks about his word What's he trying to tell us? Do you realize that his higher ways are revealed in his word? If we're going to ever walk in his higher ways, we've got to function according to what? Do you realize that the, the ways revealed in the word are not our natural ways? Very often, we would rather get afraid. We would rather get cry and grovel on the floor and beg God. And yet, His ways reveal to us how to operate in faith in a situation. How to not be moved by what we see, but to be moved by what, by what we believe. That's a higher way. It's not the way everybody does things. <coughs> Is it? Do most people just naturally not get moved by what they see and just believe what God said? No, that's a completely different way of operating. In fact, it's so foreign to a lot of people that many Christians are still struggling to function in that way. Because it's a higher way. It's not our normal way. And yet the Bible points to Abraham and says, this is how he functioned. Why is God pointing at Abraham saying, Abraham was, did not consider his own body now dead? Yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
but be, he was fully convinced that what God had said he was able also to do. What's, what's God trying to do when revealing on that passage in Romans 4, for example? He's showing you how the higher way operates. And what do we keep doing? We keep pulling back onto a lower way and we want to function there. If the, if the sons of God are ever going to be manifest on this planet, it's going to happen because we function in a higher way. God is trying to bring the body of Christ to function up in that. We're not going to go higher in God just by praying more, but continuing to think and operate in our lower ways. For us to come higher, our ways and the way we do things and the way we function must come up to the higher level. Does that make sense? And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we give his word the place that it's supposed to have. His word shows us his higher ways. But the enemy has, he's worked very hard at building into Christians mentalities that are going to keep us out of the word. The enemy does not want the church operating in the word of God. He'll do everything he can to, 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 to try to get in the way of that process. Why? He knows that's the one thing that'll take us onto a higher level. He's, it's, it's what he pointed to when he said, my ways are higher. He said, so shall my word be. He's trying to point us what we need to operate in. Now, one thing, I, 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 this, is, this is partly why this has been going on in my mind and heart a bit this week. But one thing that, that I, I've had multiple Christians say this to me this week and over the last week or two. <coughs> They've said, well, you know, if you get too much word, you'll dry up. The word will dry you up. Oh, my word. And, and people, I've heard that phrase repeat. People have said the, the word, if, you, if, you, if all you have is the word, you'll dry up. If all you have is the spirit, you'll blow up. If, if you have the word and the spirit, you'll grow up. And we repeat and we repeat and we repeat, having no idea that what we are repeating is directly opposite to what God said. You know what happens when we start to repeat and believe something that's opposite to what God said? We get it into our thinking, we get into our believing, and then we, we become convinced something is true that is directly opposite to what God said. And then we start, it gets taught, it gets preached. And then we're preaching man's ideas, not the word of God. I want to, I want to challenge you something. Nowhere in scripture does the Bible say the word will dry you up. There's a lot of Christians, our oh, teaching's dry. The word's dry. Who do you think wants them to believe that? Because if they think the word's dry and teaching's dry and you get too much teaching, it'll be dry. No, we don't need that. We, we're all going to dry up. We need to go where the real stuff's happening. And he soundtracks Christians away from the word. Do you know what? I can quote you multiple verses right now where God shows his word is, is, is what brings wet to a situation, not dry. Psalm 1 says, 
The man who meditates in his word, in his law, day and night, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. <laughs> if, 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 what, if, I gotta, if what somebody is hearing is dry, then I've got to question whether it's the word. Now, the, the things of the intellect of man will be dry, even if it's taught as the Bible. The, the traditions of man, legalism will be dry, but the true teaching of the word brings life. It doesn't bring dryness. What did he say in this passage here? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your eyes. My, uh, my ways are higher than your ways. Then he says, for as the rain comes down from heaven. And what's he about to compare to being the rain? The very next verse, so shall my word be. So he says his word is like the rain. Does that sound dry to you? So when we think, or some, I'm not saying here, but when Christians begin to think and believe the word is dry, do you realize they are thinking directly opposite to God? And that thinking keeps many people out of the word. Because they don't value teaching, they don't value getting around the word, they don't get value getting sitting hearing the word taught because all they think is, well, that's a dry meeting. And the enemy uses this strategy to keep vast portions of Christians out of the word and out of being taught. Because they'd rather run to what they class as being an exciting meeting rather than a, well, that's a dry meeting, all they do is teach there. And all along, God is trying to get the church to walk in his word because it's when we walk in his word, we're going to step into some higher ways. But as long as we keep, this is why you've got to be careful about just saying and repeating phrases because they're popular. Sometimes we've got to examine something. Is that actually what's in line with God? The word is never dry. The word is not dry. The word will not dry you up. <laughs> Human intellect, man's reasoning, legalism, that'll dry you up. The word will turn, will turn a wilderness into a flowing river. The word, in fact, in context of our series, remember, a cursed environment is a dry environment. Jeremiah 17 says you'll be a, the, the cursed man will be like a parched wilderness. Now, if, you, if people associate the word with drying you up, they are associating the word with bringing a curse. They don't realize what they're saying half the time. But the enemy gets these mentalities into people thinking the word is of low value. What they don't realize is we cannot get onto the level we need to function on as a church, not just local church here, but the body of Christ in the United Kingdom and the body of Christ in the world. We cannot get onto the level we need to function on in order for God to move in our generation how he wants to move until we give the word the place it's supposed to have. As long as we run after everything else, but don't give the word the place, we're not going to step into some things. 
And what's happening is we're delaying certain things because people are resistant to the word. Well, I'm none of the people here, amen? You guys are loving hungry for the word. But, but I, I'm saying this because I want to really stir up our, our, our thinking. When God begins to say, walk in my word, give my word place, get in my word day and night. In fact, he says that the person who gives the word, their whole life will be transformed into a fruitful, blessed environment. And I believe in that kind of environment, anointing is able to flow. Things are able to move. God is able to take you onto a higher level in a, high, a higher way. When the word is given, the place is supposed to be given. So the word does not dry anybody out. The word will never dry anybody out. I take great issue with that statement, but it's been repeated. For, I've heard it since I was a teenager. I've heard word preachers use that statement. We just repeat things. It's not true. The word will never dry you up. If you're getting dried up, then I have to question whether either what you're hearing is the word or whether you're just filtering it all through your mind and it's never getting into your heart. Your intellect or reasoning, something's blocking it. Or maybe what you're not hearing in the first place is the word. Because what will the word do? Turn your life into a flowing river. Turn your life into a blessed environment. And the, the people say, but we want the Spirit. Do you realize that the greatest move of the Spirit that there is, is when the Spirit moves with the Word? A lot of people have experienced the move of the Spirit without Word, but it's not, that's not the greatest level there is. There, there is a higher place where, where the word in the correct place that it's supposed to be given in, in people's lives and in the church and transformations take place in us so that we rise up as the sons of, sons of God on this planet. But that's when the word is able to do that, then you'll see some of the greatest manifestations of the spirit. Amen. Anyway, let's go to Galatians 3. I just, we need to think right. We've got to stop repeating phrases that are not scriptural and yet that are getting into people's thinking and actually keeping people out of the word. There are a lot of people who think, well, no, well, no it's not, we don't need the word around here. What we really need is, some, is such and such and such and such. And that thinking is going to block the move of the Spirit of God in this nation. The, it, what is going to transform the hardness in this nation is the reign of the Word. People think, oh no, it's the reign of the Spirit. No, it's the reign of the Word. We've had lots of moves of the Spirit in the UK, but what keeps getting kept out is the Word. And then the moves of the Spirit last a year and fizzle out. To have a sustained move, to have a transformed environment in the spiritual environments of the UK, the word has got to be given the place it needs. Amen? Let's go to Galatians 3. That was just a bit extra today, but it's been just going round and round. And I, you know, I thought, if it's going round in me, we might as well say it. But I know you guys value the word. You guys love the word. Galatians 3, verse 13. Let's get to our series a little bit. It'll be a shortened bit on the series because I took a lot of time on the other stuff. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Is that good news? 
A lot of Christians are not as excited about that as, as they should be. One reason, because many Christians don't know it. Many Christians know they're redeemed. They don't know they're redeemed from the curse of the law because they don't really know what that is. There's, there's vast groups of Christians that don't know what that is at all. There's ignorance. Okay? But even some Christians who've heard we're redeemed from the curse of the law have never really explored the depths of it and what that means. Some Christians have heard, well, you know, they've heard a summary. Well, we're redeemed from spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. Whatever order you want it. Sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. Okay? And, 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 and every time you say, I'm redeemed from the curse, oh, yes, yes, we're redeemed from the curse. We're redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And they quote the summary, but they've never looked at the details. But if you go into the details in Deuteronomy 28 and other passages, what the curse actually is, it's eye-opening. God gave us the details because he wants us to understand the details. God didn't give us the details so that we could create a summary and only ever repeat the summary. It's good to have a summary of things, but also get into the details. God wants us to know what the curse of the law is, how it functions, how it shows up, and then he wants us to know we're redeemed from it. We're free from it. We don't have to have that. We need to be able to recognize those things manifesting. That's the curse. I don't have to have that in my life. But then what did he say for the rest of it? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He took the judgment on him. So we don't have to have the curse. We're now made the righteousness of God and the righteous don't get the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Well, that's us, isn't it? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you see that there's two sides of this? I know I keep repeating this, but it's important. Did Jesus just did Christ just redeem us from the curse and then leave it at that? No, there's two sides. Many people, there's a lot of Christians that have heard they are redeemed from the curse, but they've never really heard much about the blessing. So then, and again, they'll summarize the curse. We're redeemed from spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. And then they'll just leave it at that. And they'll think, well, I know all there is to know about that truth. Next truth, let's study something else. And then they never really learn about what is the blessing? How does it manifest? But actually, this is a big topic in scripture. We need to understand what I'm free from. Now, we've said this before, but just because you're free from the, redeemed from the curse of the Lord, does that mean it's all going to disappear by itself and the curse will never show up? No? How do these things function in our lives? By faith. And, and that's an emphasis of that chapter. That faith is involved. If you want to, you've got to begin to begin to put your faith on the fact that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Saturate yourself in these truths and speak them. This is important. Many people hear things of the word and then wonder why it doesn't just automatically show up in their lives. And then they, they well, well, that truth can't be true. Or, or they spend the next 20 years saying, well, I know I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I don't know why the curse of the law keeps showing up in my life. Because just because you heard it doesn't mean it automatically manifests. God shows us part of his higher ways how to get these things to manifest in our lives using the principles of faith. And, and, and our speaking brings things into manifestation. That's part of God's higher ways, by the way. Amen. That's not the way, natural way people do things on the earth. So he wants us to know what I'm free from, but he also wants us to know what the blessing is and how that blessing shows up. So this is why we're spending a bit of time on this, looking at this. 
And I'm talking about this because I want to build it into people. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 28. Now, over the last few weeks, we've talked about a few things. We, 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 we've looked at a few verses in Deuteronomy 28 where we've looked at the blessing and the curse. We've seen that one of the, one of the aspects of blessing is that blessing brings fruitfulness. Yeah, amen? Whereas the curse destroys all the fruit. And connected to that, the blessing enables production. Things get the land produced because they were blessed. Whereas when they were cursed, it didn't matter how much they worked the land, the land wouldn't produce. Which would you which situation would you rather be? Would you rather spend your hours and hours putting lots of effort in and getting very little results? That's a curse. Whereas the blessing is supposed to, the blessing of God adds on top of his grace, his blessing, his anointing comes on top of you. So when you put in a bit of effort, the, 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 the results are multiplied back and produces fruitfulness. Do you realize that God wants us to walk in this? And as I've said to you, this is not dependent just upon your circumstances. This is not just about... Oh, you know, I, I, I know I'm blessed in Christ, but you don't understand the economy's bad at the moment. No, that's, that's cursed thinking right there. That's lower level thinking. Come up to a higher place. Come up to a new place where you begin to realize the blessing functions on me. God can take my life up to a new level and there be fruitfulness and production happening in my life when it's not happening in anyone else's life around me. The word will do that to you. This is one of the places, give the word the place. The word will begin to do that in your life. He'll promote you. He'll bring increase. He'll, he'll bring blessing flowing through you. So we've talked a bit about this. Amen. Now, last week we talked about, we looked at the scriptures, which is everything you put your hand to. All that you put your hand to will be blessed. Or in the terms of the curse, all that you put your hand to will be cursed. You touch it, it'll break. That's a curse. You touch it, it'll go wrong. You're involved in the project, it will go wrong. That's a curse. Okay. Whereas when a blessed person's involved, everything they touch goes right. What, did that happen with Joseph? And no matter what environment you put Joseph in, things just started to go to right, right for him. You could push him down into a lower environment and things started to go right for him. That's blessing. Well, is that unique to Joseph? Or does God want us walking in this? God wants us walking in this. Well, let's look at one more. This is something I'm, I'm going to talk, it's slight change of direction, still about the blessing and the curse, but a slight change in direction about the details of what we're talking about. All the things we talked about, fruitfulness, production, everything you put your hand to together, they're all kind of working on a similar flow of things. But let's look at some another area. Deuteronomy 28 verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. Now, th this verse is part of when he's saying you're blessed. You're blessed. So what will happen when you're blessed? Does he say when you're blessed, the enemy will beat you? That's the opposite, isn't it? He says when, you, when you're walking in the blessing, does the blessing have anything to do with winning battles? And when the enemy attacks you? Now, let me, let me just clarify something for, for a moment here. Who is the enemy? Someone says, the enemy is my neighbor. He's my, he's my No, no, no. You got your thinking wrong. People today are not our enemy. Now, 
the enemy is a is the spiritual enemy yes we understand that now the enemy will work through people who yield to him if human beings yield to the enemy he'll work through them but that person not your enemy amen we ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against power so in terms of the enemy i'm talking about the the, the the enemy here for a moment people are not our enemy what do we do for natural enemies we pray for people we pray for people we love them we walk in love we keep praying what if they don't change we keep praying we keep loving you can't make people change you can't make people do right people may persecute you talked about that one a little bit briefly even a blessed person might get persecuted, but you keep walking in love. You keep doing the right thing. So in terms of the enemy, from I want to talk about the enemy. Not just humans who come against you. I'm talking about the enemy, the spiritual enemy. Amen? What does the Bible say in terms of the enemy? It says, the Lord will cause your enemies, when you're blessed, who rise against you. Now notice this. Notice this. He doesn't say the enemy won't attack you if you're blessed. You see that? The, the enemy does rise against, even a blessed person. Some people have the idea that if, you, if, if you're truly walking in the ways of God, you'll never even get attacked. No, but they also think that if you get, there's others that think, but if you get attacked, it must have been God's will. <laughs> now, there's an enemy who brings some things, but what does he say? So the enemy might rise against you, but when the blessing is functioning on your life, what will happen? He says, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. What does before your face mean? Right, right in front of your eyes. You'll see it. Right in front of your eyes, the enemy and his attacks that come into your life. That bless Does the blessing of God upon you have anything to do with victory and winning battles well it does doesn't it do you see that the blessing covers a lot of categories this is what people do. this is we've not realized the value and importance of walking in the blessing because we just think blessing is one of the things actually he shows you blessing affects meeting your needs affects the work of your hands affects your life and now only we're seeing it affects your enemies and the battles you're going through he also talks about we haven't covered this one it affects the physical condition of your body, the health, blessing is, and cursing is involved in health. So what is he showing us? This truth about walking and the blessing is multifunctional and multifaceted. Multifunctional? That's, that's one of those. Okay, multi-something. In other words, it covers a lot of ground. So get this truth working in your life and you'll, it'll, it'll benefit you in multiple areas. So it's worth getting functioning, isn't it? will be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. What's doing it? Well, the Lord will cause it, but why? What, what's, causing, what's causing the Lord to do that? What's, what's, what, is, what is upon you? The blessing. That blessing is functioning in your life and it releases... Something that works for you that causes your enemies to flee. That's pretty good news. Do you have to make the enemy flee? Do you have to chase them down the, down the road with a stick? <laughs> it's 
spiritual enemy. You know what I'm saying? No, that blessing is functioning, doing something. So this is why when you wake up in the morning, you say, Father, I thank you that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I thank you that the blessing of the Lord is upon my life. The blessing of Abraham is upon me today. What does that do? You, you, that's, that's, that's enabling, that uh, putting your faith and confidence in that shield, a blessing around you, that even when the enemy does come against you, he's gonna, what's he going to counter in your life? The blessing. Now, notice this. In Deuteronomy 7, 28 verse 7, there's only one sentence about, in terms of the blessing, what will happen with the enemy. Yeah, we just read it. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Change your topic. He goes on to another topic. When he talks about the blessing, he gives you one sentence about beating the enemy. When, you, when he talks about the curse, there is sentence after sentence after sentence, even paragraphs describing what will happen in terms of your enemy when the curse is upon you. Why? Because... And we'll read some of them in a minute. Why, why, do, why does he just give you one sentence in terms of the blessing? Because basically that's all you need to know. When I'm walking in blessing, I can't be beaten. That's all there is to it. Oh, but it might be the will of the Lord. No, no, forget all this. It might be the will of the Lord. No, he doesn't add in extra any sentences. Well, the Lord will bless you, but there might be the occasional occasion where the Lord wants you. There's no, it's one sentence, isn't it? When you're blessed, you win. Full stop. It's humans that add in all the extras. And we want to add in human reasoning once. To, oh, but what about this? What about this? Sir? What about well, maybe the Lord in this? No, forget all this stuff. Believe it the way he said. It. He gave you one sentence. When you're blessed, you'll, you'll, beat, you'll, 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 you'll beat your enemies. You'll walk in victory over them. They'll flee. What about in this battle? Well, if it's, a, if it's an enemy, if the enemy's involved, you're going to win that battle. Can we, as the people of God, walking in the blessing of God, be assured that as we are walking in this place of blessing in our lives, we're going to win the different battles that come our way? Do you have to be afraid of a battle? If you already know the outcome of the battle, do you have to be afraid going into the battle? See, the reason people, Christians, are afraid going into the battle is they don't have their confidence about the end of the battle. They think they might get defeated. Build into your mentality, my God, I can't be defeated with God when the blessing's functioning on my life. If I get defeated, it's because I'm not walking in that place of blessing. In the blessing, there's victory. Do you know that the Bible says when Jesus went to the cross, it says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Capture this. I'm not saying the cross was easy for him. But understand this. He went into the battle knowing the outcome. And because he knew the outcome, he was able to endure the cross. That, that is, he kept, he grabbed a hold of something on the other side. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. What's that? When David faced Goliath, was there any thinking in David that, that, that he was going to lose that battle? Oh, you know, you never know. Let's, let's just, we're just going to try really hard in this battle. David knew his covenant. David knew his God. I personally, the more I study this, I personally believe David knew he was blessed as well. 
he knew the blessing of Abraham was upon him because he was of the seed of Abraham. He knew when I go up against that enemy, I can't lose. It's a blessing functioning in my life. So he went into that battle knowing there was no option of losing it. So he went in fearlessly. So all I've got to do is pick up a stone and throw it at him. I've said this jokingly, but it's not really all jokingly. He could have thrown a marshmallow at him. He still would have won. <laughs> okay. Yeah? Because what assured the victory as he went into the battle was the fact that the blessing was upon him. And God had told them, when you're walking in the blessing, you can't lose. That's good news. Do we have any similar promises in the new covenant? I mean, we, we've, got the, we've been told the blessings upon us, so this applies to us. But do we have any similar promises? Are there scriptures which says, thanks be to God who, who gives us the victory? We're more than conquerors. Are there scriptures which say uh, you win some, you lose some? No. Are there scriptures which say that the, the family of God lose some of their battles? Do you realize Israel only lost the battles when they weren't walking with God? You maintain that place of walking in that blessing. What are you guaranteed? Victory. Does that mean the enemy won't attack? No, I'm not saying he won't attack. But what you may, the blessing enables a position of victory in every battle. Does that mean you won't be tempted to face pressure and feel be afraid about it? No, no. But you know the blessing's working for me. It brings the victory. In fact, there is a scripture which says, which talks in the New Testament, he always gives me the victory. We have similar promises. There's the scriptures in 1 John 5, which talk about the fact that you, you are basically born into a winning family. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You function in that position of faith. Faith causes the blessing to function on your life. You function in that place of faith. That blessing kicks in and functions. The blessing enables victory in your life. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Do I? Is it my job to make the blessing work? No. It's my job. Just to maintain myself in the faith position. He gave me the easy part. The blessing does the, does the, does, the, I was going to say, does the dirty work, does the hard job. There's the dirty work, really. You maintain yourself in the position of faith. Why, why do you think the enemy will do everything and anything he can do to get a, a Christian out of the faith position? Because the enemy knows in the faith position, when you really get into this place and get this fully functioning, you're undefeatable. <laughs> it reminds me of a song I said, you're undefeatable. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look briefly at, the, at, the, at some things about the curse, and then we'll close. We're still in Deuteronomy 28, verse 25. Should we, is this something to get excited about? Is this something to hold before you through the week saying, it doesn't matter what battle comes my way. <laughs> I thank God you always cause me to triumph. Father, I thank you. It doesn't mean the enemy won't attack, but I'm not afraid of the attack. 
Why, why be afraid of the attack, the attack when I know the outcome? People say, oh, but you, you know, you don't know the outcome. No, you see, there's your unbelief speaking. That's going to pull you out of this. That's going to pull you down. Maintain the word and begin to speak like God speaks and say, Father, I thank you that you always give me the victory. What happens if you speak, God always gives me to the victory and then you lose a battle? You just say, well, I'm still, I'm still learning how to get this fully functioning, but you get back up on your feet and say, Father, I thank you. <laughs> you always give me the victory. You don't back down off what God says. Yeah? Verse 25. The Lord will cause, now I haven't gone into the terminology about this. People say, oh, the Lord's doing this. The important thing to realize for now is that this is when a curse is functioning. And the reason they were cursed is because they were, for them, it was not walking in obedience. This is not just saying the Lord randomly decided to just make them be defeated because it was the will of the Lord for them to be defeated. This is talking about a people who were, who had disobeyed and who were functioning in the curse. So I'm not going into the details of that right now, but all you need to know is this wasn't, they were not being defeated because it was the will of the Lord. They were, they were being defeated because they wouldn't obey the Lord. Amen. But so don't worry about the starting terminology right now, but notice this Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. This is a curse. They shall go out one way. So you shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become and, and you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Now jump down a little bit. I'm going to mention this because this was mentioned at the start of today's meeting. Verse 32. Verse 32. Your sons and your daughters. I think it was Jackie and a couple of other people prayed that during worship. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. What's, what's that? Carried away as slaves. Taken into bondage, taken into captivity. Is that okay? Is that okay for the people of God? Is it okay for the people of God who are walking in the blessing to sit there longingly watching their children being taken away into slavery. No. No. He says, it's when the, notice this, verse 32, your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long and there shall be no strength in your hand. Why? It all starts with your sons and your daughters being carried off into captivity. And you're sitting there longing for them. No, you, you're probably never going to see them again. Because they've been taken thousands to, to land far away into slavery. That's the curse. The enemy just being able to come in there and take your family. Because this all relates to the enemy, doesn't it? Remember I said there's one sentence says the enemy won't be able to beat you. But then the details and the curse, he says, you'll be defeated. Not only that, you'll watch your kids being taken away into slavery when that curse is functioning on you. Taken under the oppression of the enemy. Do we have to have that? And the effect it has on you as you watch longingly, turmoil in your mind, crying, watching them go. The enemy takes them out. No, that's part of the curse. Do you realize... There's a blessing on you and on your family when you're walking on the in the blessing. Is, is this worth getting functioning? 
Children might make some choices, and everyone has the right to make a choice. Okay? And God will honor choices. Even God lost some of his kids when they made choices. Jesus, one of his one of his disciples, Judas, turned his back. Adam, God's God's firstborn, in a sense. First man here, okay? They make choices. Okay? Now, sometimes they make choices because they're blinded and being and following deception, right? But but Sometimes the enemy is just getting into their lives and, and running roughshod in their lives. And it's not just because of their choices, because the enemy's got that access. Now, we don't condemn ourselves with if, if things have been able to happen, but, you, but, 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 but and, and especially if kids are growing up and different things like that. But sometimes when we begin, sometimes things happen because we didn't know that there was something that could be done about it. And I stand in the word. And ignorance. And some people don't know that the Bible shows that blessing functioning on you can affect your kids too. Amen? And it's time we get some things stopped. It's time we begin to say, no, I'm not just going to let the devil move on in in every area he wants to. When I walk in blessing, there's protection on some things. Amen? Now, my kids can be protected by the blessing your kids can be protected by the blessing, but they might still go and make some bad choices because the blessing won't force their decisions. If they choose to walk away from some things, that's their choice. Okay? But, 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 but sometimes, but, but the enemy just being able to move on in is a curse. So how do we stand in the gap for our kids that have made those choices? And how do we pray and how much of, where does our authority stop? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, well, we continue to stand on promises. We continue to, you put your faith on promises in the word for any area. And you begin to say, Father God, my, if my kids have been taken into captivity, I might not have known some things that time, but I'm going to stand on your word. That you are moving. It's not just me trying to get them back. I'm going to stand on the promises of your word. That blessing is functioning on my life. And this, this is enabling some things for you to work in some situations. And open their eyes and speak to them. And do, 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 Amen? Yeah. 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 I think you find that when you speak to people that have had this kind of thing happen, when they've yeah. come back to the Lord, they said, I, I never had peace. I never knew mm. peace while, while I was away from the Lord. Because yeah. they know something mm. inside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's something that, that, we, that you know, at the, at, like I said, every human being has free will to make a choice. And God won't violate choice. Mm. However, there are promises in the word connected to family. And God wouldn't make those promises if they were just empty. And there's some things we can begin to stand on and say, Father God, you said, you said this. And we even, even, even if you let's say your kids are, are not serving God, but you're just seeing the enemy running roughshod in their lives. 
There are scriptures where God said things like the generation of the upright will be blessed. Isaac walked in blessing because of Abraham. Amen. And there are promises. Now, they might still have to make some choices in terms of coming back to God. But there are some things you, where you say, Father God, you said because of my life and the blessing on me, it's going to affect my, 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 my descendants. There are promises in there. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 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 back. And all of this really all goes back to right the very beginning where Satan said to Eve, did God say? That's where it is anything different. That's always he always challenges God's word. Yeah. The verse is that says um refrain your eyes from weeping. Yeah. Your children shall come back from the enemy's land. Yeah. And these are promises to stand on because the enemy has, has I think he's, he's, he's lied to people a lot of times saying this, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. And, oh, you just got to accept it. Okay. But actually, it, 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 when this is why God wouldn't put things in his word and make promises about our descendants if there's nothing he could do about it. Otherwise, he's just speaking empty words. If he's put promises in there about the descendants and about the kids and the generation of the upright, that's talking about your descendants will be blessed. Then those are promises we can stand on and begin to say, Lord God, maybe I didn't know about these promises when they first started out, but, but I'm going to get into them now. And I'm going to believe that, 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 that as I walk in some things, it infects my environment. What does the blessing do? It infects does affect, but affect my environment. It affects my home, my, 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 my livestock. Well, here he's showing it will have an impact upon your kids. Amen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ignorance, dangerous, yeah. Yeah. You see, and this is the thing, this is why I said a lot of times people say, you know, all they know about the curse is the summary. Poverty, we, we're redeemed, Christ has redeemed me from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Well, in that summary, where does it talk about the verses we've just read? That summary doesn't say anything about victory over your enemies. And yet we see in the curse of the law listed in Deuteronomy 28, your enemies will run roughshod all over you. So actually, the summary should be expanded. <laughs> Poverty, sickness, spiritual death, and victory. Because <laughs> defeat is part of the curse of the law. Let's, let's read a little bit more here in closing. Verse 47 and 48. I haven't even read all the verses which deal with the enemy in this because we've, we've, I've taken some time on some other things today. Amen? But there are, out of the verses which talk about the enemy in Deuteronomy 28, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22. I've just counted this, 23. I've just counted this quickly. Out of Deuteronomy 28, from, from, I might have got this wrong by a couple because I did this very quickly, but a, almost 23 verses of that chapter in some way Deal with an enemy getting the better of you when you're under the curse. 23 of these verses. That's quite a few of them, isn't it? In some way, the enemy, and, and what do you say in the blessing? 
When you're blessed, the enemy won't beat you. He'll flee. <laughs> just a quick summary. So let me just read what, let's read one of these, two more of these, and then I'm going to close. Verse 47 and 48. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for abundance of everything. Again, it's, it's on them while they were cursed. But notice verse 48. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies. Whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. What is a yoke of iron? That's oppression. That, that's that's the, 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 they'll put that yoke of oppression over your neck. That's putting you in prison. Bringing bondage into your life. He's saying the enemy doing that and being able to do that is a curse. Bring oppression into your life and just bring bring a yoke of bondage and just put you 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 you're now serving your enemy as part as a slave. Again, people are not our enemies, but you see, this is all part of the curse. What did he say? What one of the great truths of the New Testament is freedom. Is it God's plan that the enemy is just not not just able to defeat us, but also to, able to bring oppression? To oppress us and to just to put people. There are a lot of Christians that are oppressed in areas of their lives. They're in prison in areas and they are convinced it's the will of God for them to be like that. The Bible says it's a curse. God never planned for us to be under the oppression of an enemy. Able to put a yoke over your neck and just bring you under oppression and slavery and you watch your kids go off to slavery with longing of heart. That's all a curse. That's the, the good news. I can tell you this. The gospel is good news. This is why. This is why. This is part of why in, in, in Galatians 3 when he says to, uh, he preached the gospel. Good news to Abraham saying in you all nations shall be blessed. It's good news. It is good news to know I don't have to live under that kind of curse. That's good news. People are preaching a version of Christianity that's actually not good news, but they're calling it good news. It's good news, but you know, you have to stay in bondage to your enemy. No, it's for freedom that Christ has set me free. I thank God that we have victory over the enemy, but we also have freedom from his oppression. And that's all part of that's that's part of walking in the blessing. Do we have to be oppressed? Do we have to have the enemy run rough shot, shot over us? Or can we begin to say, Father, I thank you because I'm blessed. You enable the victory in my life. I'm not just letting the enemy move on in my in my home, on my stuff. I'm gonna stand my ground and I'm gonna stand on the word of God and I'm gonna thank God I'm blessed. That blessing is showing up in my life. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. That's why we speak this, amen. Like the body of daily life. I used to think to myself, my word, I believe in confessing and speaking the word, but I'm like, I forget things. I mean, you know, I'm like, I'm not saying that as a confession, I forget things. I'm just saying, you know, I, this is what I'm thinking to myself. I'm thinking, how do I remember to, to confess protection over my life and healing over my life every day and blessing and, and, and provision over my life and protection and 101 other things? And I'm like, by the end of it, I'm like, I've got so many things I've got to speak over my life every day. I don't have time to do this. Until you begin to realize 
all of it's included in blessing and freedom from the curse. All of it. There's protection. There's everything. Begin to begin to make it a primary part of you. This is why it says part, a major part of the gospel. Father God, I thank you that Christ has redeemed me from the curse. The curse can't show up in my life in any area. I put my faith on that. I speak that. I begin to thank God that the blessing has protected me from that curse. That blessing is showing up in my life. It's causing fruitfulness. I, I might not feel very fruitful right now, and I might feel in a, not in a good place right now, but as that blessing functions, it's going to put me over. It's going to give me favor. It's going to bring me into positions that nothing could do by itself or I could never do by myself. So this is, this is why don't let go of this truth because it covers so many others. And begin to, let's get into that place of walking in the blessing. Amen. Yes, do, do, should we stop it quickly? Then go for it.